welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We are happy you're here. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Thank you, Sam. Good morning, everyone. How's it going? Did anyone spend way too much time at the shops doing Christmas shopping this week? realizing you were so far behind or is anyone going to be spending a lot of time this week yeah yeah that's facts i love it we actually got most of our christmas shopping done already which i can't believe that's happened i'm really happy about that not here to talk about christmas shopping but i am here to talk about gifts who loves gifts anyone i absolutely love gifts i'm not afraid to admit it sometimes i think there's this there's this stigma about people like me that if you are a gift lover you obviously don't care about people that much or maybe you're a bit selfish or egotistical but i love it and there's actually a verse in the bible i think that backs up my position really well and it is this every good and perfect gift comes from God. So basically, I just love it when God does something in my life. That's just what I love. So gifts, Christmas, you can ask Clara. This is one of my favorite times of the year, absolutely. One of the things I want to explore today is this idea of the greatest gift of all, Jesus coming and and being our Savior and our Messiah. But I don't want to explore it from Jesus' lens or actually even focusing on Jesus. I want to explore it by focusing on Mary and Joseph and what their experience of Jesus showing up might have been, if that's okay with you. And one of the things I just want to kind of prelude this with is this idea that around Christmas time, and even just the vibe in the room tonight, there's a sense, a real sense of something really sacred that's happened. Jesus coming to save us and living as a human God, becoming human, becoming man, that's, that's massive. That's something that should cause us to pause take a breath and think about the reality of the world we live in, a world where the God of the universe, the creator of life, would become human to redeem us. That is a sobering thought. But I also think that around this time, we can get a little bit overly sacred in our mindset because if we think too deeply on that, it can be really easy to separate our very ordinary lives from that extraordinary reality. And I also think that as Mary and Joseph experienced this story, as we're going to see, it wasn't a super sacred, like, holy time. I reckon it was probably more panic stations as they were experiencing this reality for themselves. So... Let's dive in. So imagine with me, you've just got engaged. Who's married in the room? Who's, is there anyone engaged currently in the room? Oh, so exciting. You've just gotten engaged. He finally proposed, or maybe she said yes after the fourth time of asking. And now you get to spend the next year or more, ironically, not planning your life and not looking at all the things you can do to build the most beautiful, healthy marriage. No, you're going to spend the next year of your life talking about dresses, talking about invitations, which family members to separate at the reception because of contentious relationships, that weird uncle that you're going to exile to the back of the reception hall, put up a curtain, maybe a bulletproof glass, just he's going to be there and no one's going to know that he's there. And you're going to be talking about things like the food that you're going to be having at your wedding, or if you're anything like my wife and I, you're going to be talking about how you can fly a world-class photographer from Minnesota to Australia to take your photos for three to five hours and then fly them back on a budget 
We did figure it out in the end. It's a special, special moment. Upon personal reflection, it's actually a beautiful snapshot for marriage because in marriage, you're destined to spend more time arguing about trivial things like what color the curtains are or what color to paint the walls than you are actually going to be discussing the really big things in life because life just happens slowly. You know, life doesn't happen all these massive events every single day. Life happens on the day to day and most of our lives happens just in those, those little trivial fun conversations. In doing this, in preparing for your advent, your wedding day that's coming up, you begin to form the same kind of relationship that started and has defined the course of humans, a marriage. It started with Adam and Eve figuring out how to do life together. And we can look at Adam and Eve's story and say, man, they messed it up. But the reality is we probably all would be in the exact same boat as them. I think back to my engagement, and Claire and I, when we got engaged, were pioneering a missions campus at Tolly um, with YWAM Newcastle, and it was wild. It was actually crazy. I wouldn't advise it. Um, don't try and pioneer a ministry the year you got engaged. That's, that is bonkers, but we, we did it anyway. But I'm thinking back to the intensity of emotions and the lessons in humility that I had during that year, wondering, you know, maybe should I just run for my life because I don't know if I'm going to make it, and also being really struck with this sense of wonder at, man, I'm changing so fast. Like, I'm not going to be the same at the end of this. My life is not going to look the same 60 years from now. I'm going to look back and be like, whoa, so much has changed since then. It's a time for wonder and curiosity. And preparing for the advent of our marriage, us two people coming together, committing our lives, future, and dreams to one another was a time of curiosity, wonder, and intensity. And it was into a season just like this of planning a wedding, of getting life going, of trying to figure out what it's going to be like living with that other person, what it's going to be like doing life with that other person, who is actually the messy one in the relationship. Hint, hint, it's me. Um, you're going to be figuring those things out. That's what Mary and Joseph were figuring out at this time. And it was into that environment that probably the most ridiculous, intense, and worst possible interruption came into being. Because Mary had a vision, and an angel told her, hey, you're a virgin, but you're going to bear the Son of God. You're not going to know a man, and you're going to bring the Messiah into the world. Can we just think about how ridiculous that is for a second? Like, how freaked out Mary must have been as she gets that news. I think she handles the conversation really well. Let's read how she handled it. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, THs don't work for me, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel approached her, appeared to her, and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him 
the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. Big news. And I think this is so, so cool. Probably my favorite thing about this story, obviously it's you know the story of Jesus coming into the world. My favorite thing about this reflection of the story, about this narrative, is that it was written by a guy called Luke. Has anyone ever heard of Luke? Luke was a doctor way back in the day during the time of Jesus, and he turned into an investigative journalist. So imagine everything that Jesus did, thousands of people being fed with five loaves, a few fishes, guys being raised from the dead, uh, like the whole, everybody knew something crazy was going on. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, Luke, being a doctor, probably a very analytical man, decided, I need to know what the heck is happening. And so he went around interviewing people to get the story. That's what he did. He took his notebook and he just started knocking on doors. And one day, there would have been a day, most likely, where he knocked on a door and Mary, years and years after, everything that had happened would have answered the door. Most likely, this account would have been from Luke interviewing Mary and asking her questions and saying, hey, um, what happened? What actually happened? And I love this account because you see Mary is realistically in this story, and rightfully so, a bit freaked out when the angel shows up and starts saying these things to her. It says, it says she was disturbed and confused. I mean, I would have been super worried about what the heck is going on as this angel appears to me and says this to me. And he gets this story, and I can just imagine Mary all these years later getting this knock at the door. Luke being there at the door and saying, can, can I ask you some questions about the nature of your son and how the heck all of this came to be? And I can imagine in that moment as Mary remembers back, she remembers back to her and Joseph preparing for their marriage, which was their advent. It was their big event. It was their big thing that was coming up. They were preparing for their marriage. And in that moment, as that angel came and spoke to her, and she didn't resist it, she thought about it, and she said, you know what? And I love this logic. I think she probably thought, well, if the angel is wrong, I won't get pregnant, and there's nothing to worry about. But if the angel is right, then the Messiah is coming. And how could I possibly put any sort of stop to that? Why would I want to get in the way? I think the courage and the hope that lived inside of Mary for her to say yes and to engage in that moment would have been absolutely outrageous. And, you know, her agreement being a prayer, may everything you have said about me come true. I don't think that was just a, oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. I think it was, oh, I really hope with all of my heart that what you're saying is true. 
And so out of this situation, I think Mary had incredible, incredible hope. The wonder of her engagement and getting ready to go into this new amazing life that her and Joseph were planning, her advent changing forever now because her new advent, the thing that was most important, the event that would be above all other events for the entire of her life, entirety of her life was about to happen. And it was about to happen for Joseph too. Because I can't imagine that it would have been a really easy conversation, Mary coming to Joseph and saying, so, um, you know how we were talking about the drapes, you know, being this color, and, you know, we're talking about the tablecloths being this color, and, oh, I really, I really don't want your Uncle Tom to be seated next to my auntie. They do not get along. Also, <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, probably... Can, can you imagine a worse thing for one fiance to say? <laughs> like, and he knows it wasn't him. Like, he's well aware. This is not my kid. And he's standing there shocked. And I can't, I can't imagine staying calm and stable. But that seems like that's what Joseph did. Because the Bible says that Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly you know, during this time, this information getting out and the world finding out meant that Mary probably wouldn't survive. Like, that culture was very harsh towards people who made those sort of indiscretions. And no one's going to believe that she's carrying the Messiah. It's ridiculous. Like, let's all acknowledge that for a second, that everything that happened in this story is totally impossible. And we love that. We believe that. But the reality is, that's a tough nut to crack. That's a tough one to swallow. And so Joseph is thinking about this, and he's trying to figure out how in the world am I going to make it so that Mary makes it out alive? Because so, he doesn't know what to believe. He's like, I mean, Mary's never done anything like this. I've always trusted her. I've always thought that she was, like, outstanding and amazing. And, like, what? An angel said that you're pregnant with the Messiah? Like, that's, that's huge. That's like, is she crazy? Has she cracked? Like, what is going on? These are all the things that are swirling around in Joseph's mind. And Joseph does what any reasonable, stressed out, engaged man would do. Joseph takes a nap. <laughs> and during the nap, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and you will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the message, the Lord's message, through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. You know, sometimes we look at this story, and I think it's sometimes through that sacred lens, and we see Joseph do this, and we're just like, okay, like they knew that the Messiah was coming, and that there was a promise of God someday to redeem his people and to set us all free. And so maybe we, we can tend to think, oh, well, maybe that was easy for them. You know, an angel appears to them. But I think we, many of us in this room have been walking with God for a long time. 
And the things that God speaks to us even now, we struggle to listen. We struggle to obey. We struggle to walk quickly and immediately into the things that God asks us to do. And maybe you're better at that than I am, so I might be assuming. But the reality is none of us are just like super switched on all the time. And for something big like this, I think that no matter how you look at it, there is incredible, incredible courage in both of these people. Like it's unmistakable. You can't miss it. Something that I love about this is I don't think Joseph was sitting there saying, you know what, I really just want to end this. Because he was, he was in this place where I think he was filled with hope. I think that hope precedes courage. I don't think you're going to act courageously if you don't have a belief that it might work out well in the end. And so I think Joseph was filled with hope. I think he hoped that it was the Messiah that Mary was pregnant with. And I think he loved Mary. And I think that he hoped that there would be a way for their relationship to work out. And I think that he hoped that some miracle would happen so that they would survive, that they would make it through. And it did happen. And as soon as a lifeline was thrown to him, he didn't have 30 dreams. He didn't have 40. Sometimes God has to like bash me over the head with a two by four to get me to do something. He had one dream. And he was like, yep, I'm in. 100% in. These two people were outstanding, phenomenal people. And the hope of Mary, following the wonder of Mary and Joseph getting ready to be married, became the hope of Joseph. And now Advent for Mary wasn't the only Advent had changed. Now Advent for Joseph had changed. Now there were two people on the planet who shared the same, who shared the same Advent that we all now share, the expectation of Jesus coming to earth. I think it's absolutely wild that they walked out in the faith that they did in this moment with the hope that they had. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point, which means at the point of highest reality. Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point, which means at the point of highest reality. I think in this moment for both Mary and Joseph, every quality that defines a person who loves God and wants to serve him and wants his kingdom to come was tested. I think belief in God's power and goodness was fully tested for Mary and Joseph. I can't imagine going through this and not thinking, man, is God, is God going to actually do this? Is he actually powerful enough to make this happen? Like, is this actually going to work out for me? Am I going to end up dead because of this? What is actually going I think there's no way that belief in God wouldn't have been tested in that moment for both of these amazing young people. And I also think that love, like love your neighbor as yourself, was tested here radically as well. Because Joseph had to make a massive choice here. He had to make a huge one. And even before he made the choice, he was trying to do what he had to do in a way that would protect and care for Mary. He was showing love. He was showing, I don't want anything wrong to happen to Mary. I don't know what's going on here, but I want to protect her. I want to keep her safe. And I love, I love the honesty and the real, raw conversation that Mary had with the angel. I think she was not afraid to just confront that situation with truth and say, hey, this isn't possible. And the angel's like, you're right, it isn't. God's going to do something miraculous. And she was honest. She was real. She wasn't, a, she wasn't just like, okay, yeah, whatever. She actually had a conversation. She engaged. She was courageous from the start. And this is how it worked out. We all know 
that Jesus was born. And his birth didn't happen in a super chill, cool way. Um, you know, Mary and Joseph had never been together, and Joseph had to deliver Jesus into the world with Mary. That would have been a very messy situation in a barn, like with cows and stuff like Like, it would have not been fun. I cannot imagine a more panicky moment in the life of Joseph than trying to figure out what the heck is going on then. You know, they've lived it out. They've done the travel. Who's ever been on a road trip with your spouse and not been getting along? Anyone? Yeah. So Mary's about to have a baby. She's on a donkey, and they've ended up did you book the Airbnb, Joseph? Did you book it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I totally booked it. I called my cousin. Yeah, we're good. I sent a pigeon. We're going. We've got, you know, it's really nice. It's going to be great. I get there. Oh, no. It's booked. Um, I don't know what to do. Uh, we can stay in a barn. That's probably Joseph's idea. And Mary was like, excuse me? Stay in a barn and then gives birth to the Messiah in a barn and I cannot imagine the intense vulnerability and intensity of that situation. It was not pretty. It would have been a terrifying moment in their lives. Short time after, they find out that someone wants to kill Jesus. And they have to run. And where do they have to live? Anyone know where they ended up living? A pretty awesome place called Egypt. If you remember the story of how these people ended up, how their descendants ended up where they were, well, they used to be slaves in Egypt. And they had to run back all these years later with their son to keep him alive. Courage on display. I think this is what's amazing. The way they approached that situation, the way they approached their advent, defined how they would approach the rest of their life. I think they had radical courage from then on every step of the way because you go through something like that, you go through your advent, your moment with God, and you take it step by step with courage, and the end result is a life that raises the Messiah. And I think that's what we have the opportunity to do. We have the opportunity to bring the realness of God into the lives of people around us every single day. That's what Mary and Joseph did, literally bringing Jesus into the lives of people every single day. But his spirit is with us now. And so what I want to challenge us with tonight is the reality that for Mary and Joseph, their advent changed forever. And it defined the course of their lives. And I just want to ask you today, what is your advent? What is the event of life that has highest importance to you? And if you've never talked to God, if you're not a Christian, if this is a totally new concept, if you're like, dude, you've been spouting nonsense for about 20 minutes, when are you going to stop talking? What I want to ask you is this. If you've never talked to God, if you don't have a relationship with him, if this is true, if what happened 2,000 years ago in the life of this young couple in the Middle East, if this is true and the impacts of it are real, what do you have to lose? By engaging in conversation with God. What do you have to lose by praying and saying, God, I'd be interested to know what it would be like for connection to, be, to you to be the greatest advent in my life. Relationship with you to be the greatest thing 
that I know, the event that I love more than anything else. And if you're a believer, if you've been walking with God for a long time, my challenge for you is this, as we go into this Christmas season, which is fun and amazing, like I said, I love Chrissy Prezies. Like this is a good and amazing time, but my encouragement to you, my question to you is this, has your advent shifted? And are there things in your life that aren't connection to God and the presence of Jesus and knowing that you can be in his presence all the time? Are there things other than that that are Advent for you, that are events of higher importance? I know that's a difficult question to ask, and it's very direct. I'm an American, so sorry about it. Um, I can't control where I was born, um, just like Jesus couldn't. Uh, maybe he could, actually, if you think about it. Anyway, moving on, my encouragement to you is this. Pray and spend time with God this week as you go into this Christmas season and reaffirm that Jesus coming and being who he is in your life and your connection to him, reaffirm that that is your advent. That is the event, the moment of greatest importance for you and your life. Thanks, guys. listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. May you have a safe and blessed week.